0: I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at On Packers. You can like us on Facebook where we post all of our content. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers on your smart home device. Alexa, play Locked on Packers. Okay, Google, play Locked on Packers. We are the show for Packer fans who know what happens. They want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit up the Locked on Packers fan hotline, You can do so at 920-341-3775. We are going to get to some of those questions today, but the main event is ESPN's Mina Kimes. And I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation. I know I did. She is a a great person to talk to. I have only been able to do that a handful of times, but um, all of them have been entertaining and enlightening. And uh, I think uh, I think she's really great. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have her on the show. Before we get to Mina though, I wanted to answer some of your questions because the Friday show is not going to be an injury show. The Friday show, uh, tomorrow's show, is going to be about the game tonight. And that is going to mean that we don't have extra time to take questions, which is what I usually reserve the Friday show to do. So... I wanted to get that in now. That will be sort of the totality of the discussion that we have here. Then we'll get to Mina. We'll close up and and put a bow on Seahawks week. So let's start here. Hey, Peter, this is Dakota in Lake Gunnersville, Alabama. Shout out Lake Gunnersville. Our offense has been lazy scheming at times that have led to slow quarters, sometimes entire halves. I keep hearing about a head coaching change, but at what point do we talk about Philbin, I understand that McCarthy's voice is getting stale. I hope he makes the record books by reviving the Browns starting in 2019. But how much is Philbin at fault? I look forward to your insight. So what's interesting about this question to me is, I know that Philbin has not been at the forefront. Mike McCarthy is. I don't think the scheme has been bad. And I've said that repeatedly on this show. It's not the scheme that is necessarily bad. It's the... The deployment of that scheme, and what what basically what that comes down to is play calling. And Joe Philbin doesn't call plays. I actually think that a lot of the innovative stuff and the creative scheme that the Packers are employing, some of these different tight end sets, the different formations, the use of personnel, the way that it is, I think a lot of that can be attributed to Joe Philbin. I think those changes are positive and have improved the Packers' scheme, have made them more creative, more adaptive, and more malleable. What I don't see as being different is an improvement in play calling. And that's not Joe Philbin's fault. So, I I mean, I think if this season does not get better, and this staff does get replaced, and Mike McCarthy, for example, goes to Cleveland... I don't think it would be crazy to think that Joe Philbin could go to Cleveland and really help Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry and, and Nick Chubb and all of those talented players that Cleveland has. I don't think the struggles that this offense have had come down to what Joe Philbin has done because I think he was brought in to reassess and to make some tweaks and some adjustments. And those those tweaks and adjustments have been made. They just haven't been called in the way that I think makes this offense, or or executed, in a way that makes this offense maximally efficient. And, and that's just not on Joe Philbin. All right, let's get to this next question. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hey, Peter, what's happening? This is John in Tennessee. I, I haven't asked questions before, but is the shoulder injury from last season with the plate in his throwing shoulder hurt Aaron Rodgers this season? I don't think so. I haven't seen any evidence of that. I I I don't think that his arm strength is down, Rogers. I just think he's missed some throws. I I don't think that the strength part of it is the problem. It's been ball placement and accuracy. And that's just that's really just feel. And to me, that all comes down to his ability to practice. And he hasn't been able to do that. Even elite players, like imagine if Steph Curry couldn't shoot in between games and the only times he could shoot was pregame warmups and uh, and the games. He wouldn't shoot as well, right? Throwing the ball in the NFL is very similar. You need those reps. You need to stay sharp. And it, there's so much timing that goes into everything. Rodgers is missing throws that that he should absolutely make open receiver throws. I don't think it has anything to do with his shoulder. I think it has everything to do with perhaps his confidence in his plant leg, but but just I think reps. I really think that the lack of practice time has affected him, and I, I do think there is this creeping doubt that he has about this offense that does not always allow him to step confidently into throws. If you're if you're a little bit hesitant about the offense and a little bit, a little bit hesitant about the reads and what you're seeing and what's going on, you're not going to approach every throw with, I feel good about this, I'm going to step into it. It's like when, uh, I'll use a basketball analogy again, because I think it's something that a lot of, of listeners can you know, really relate to. If you're playing, let's say you're playing on a pickup team or intramural team or your high school team, whatever it is, and your team's not playing well, you want to make sure your shot, if you're going to shoot it, is the best shot. And you put a little bit more pressure on yourself to make sure not only it's a good shot, but that you're going to make it. And that's an extra split second that, that you are taking potentially and that you're thinking about a throw rather than just doing it. It's what, you know, quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators all the time, you'll hear in practice, you'll say, throw it, don't aim it. That was something that, you know, when I played in high school, my quarterback coach used to say all the time, throw it, don't aim it. You're thinking too much. Throw it, don't aim it. And when you're worried about the offense and the scheme, you might have a situation where Rodgers is aiming it rather than throwing it, and that's going to cause some off-target throws. All right, last one here is a voicemail. Hello, Peter. This is Matt from Charlotte, North Carolina.
1: Calling in, I listen to multiple Packers podcasts throughout the week, and the past few weeks, I've noticed that I haven't heard Mike Daniels' name come up a lot, either in review or during the broadcast, or even on Packers Twitter. So I'm calling in to see, number one, get a status update on what you've seen from him, and number two, I know that we, I believe, lead the league in sacks and have quite a number of players who each have a sack. I'm checking to see if Mike Daniels' role as a disruptor um, has allowed for that to happen. And as a result of that has uh, contributed to the unglamorous fact that we are oftentimes not seeing his name in those uh,
0: sexy stat lines. I look forward to your answer, and I hope to uh, hear this on air. Thank you so much. So I think Matt is right to point out that Mike Daniels' stat line is rarely sexy. He is still a highly disruptive player, and a lot of what he's being asked to do this season is take up blocks. And the reason is Kenny Clark is better. I mean, Kenny Clark is a better football player in the run and the passing game than Mike Daniels. And and that is crazy to say because Mike Daniels is really tough. He's really disruptive. He's a player that that you're going to hear Mina Kimes single out as someone who can disrupt what Seattle is doing uh, tonight. But he is still doing what he needs to do. Part of the reason, and I wrote about this for Acme Packing Company yesterday, there's been this complaint and we talked about it on the show, this this issue about outside linebackers and the lack of pass rush and whatever from those guys. But what has mitigated the impact of those those underperformances from those outside linebackers is the play of the interior pass rush. Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Dean Lowry, and before that Muhammad Wilkerson, it's not just doing it themselves, but eating up blocks to keep Blake Martinez free behind them or to allow Kyler Fackrell to come off the edge one-on-one. I know that sounds crazy. He's tied for the team lead in sacks. So Mike Mike Daniels is always going to do, you know, what Matt called the unglamorous things for this Packers defense. He's still doing that, and he's going to continue to do that. I think as Packer fans, you know, watch him. Just watch him on a couple plays. You know, here, do this on first down. Because teams are, are, are closer to 50-50 run pass on first down. And Green Bay has one of the best first down run defenses in the league. Just watch Mike Daniels. And watch the work that he does and the penetration that he gets. Or the blockers that he eats up. And then when he's in the game on third down and you see those double A-gap mug looks. Where there's two guys right over the center threatening to blitz. Just watch what Mike Daniels does. Watch if he eats up two blockers and frees someone else up to get to the quarterback because those are the things that he is consistently doing that just don't show up in the stat sheet. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball throw. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can, too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawn Mower 3.0. Get 20% off, plus free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. LOCKEDON.
1: Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right, let's get to Mina. You can follow her on Twitter if you don't already. I I don't know what you're doing, Um, but she is at Mina Kime. She's a senior writer at ESPN, the magazine. You can find her on ESPN.com. She's on every show that ESPN does. Mina, thank you for joining Locked On Packers.
1: You've had me.
0: So this this game on Thursday night between the Packers and the Seahawks is going to look a lot different than some of the iconic matchups that we've had the last few years yeah. between these two teams. A lot of different pieces for both teams. And I have to be honest, going back and watching the Seahawks the last few weeks, I had to do a lot of going on our lads and checking the depth chart. Like, wait, who is, <laughs> what number, who, what?
1: Yeah. There were uh, games in the beginning. Like, I... I... I'm a pretty serious fan and, you know, I generally know the practice squad guys and the backups, but there were games in the beginning of the season uh, when, you know, Bobby Wagner was out a little bit, KJ Wright, where there were linebackers and tackles that I kind of knew, but I certainly (laughs) wasn't familiar with, which is shocking to me. So it's it's a very, very different team, uh, especially on that side of the ball
0: offensively uh one of the things that that has really stood out and I, I know to seahawks fans but also to to more um broad nfl fans is the offensive line is not trash in seattle
1: <laughs> so i don't know if you saw aaron donald uh pretty much destroyed
0: well, russell
1: wilson okay but aaron donald is aaron donald is. <laughs> yeah yeah no no you're not wrong um you know the biggest off uh, the, the best move of the Seahawks offseason in an offseason where they lost a lot of talent was getting rid of Tom Cable, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Who was the offensive coordinator, much maligned, much despised by Seahawks fans. And you've seen the hiring of Mike Solari, who was in New York previously, I think already pay off. Uh, The offensive line is not, you know, they're not incredible. They're not a top 10 offensive line. They might not be a top 15 offensive line, (laughs) but they are competent. And honestly, it's crazy what Russell Wilson can do when he has, like, you know, three seconds of protection.
0: Well, and one of the things that's interesting is he he has continued to be good despite the, the nagging injuries that it seems like he has every year because he gets hit so often. But against the Rams, it, it looked like the Russell Wilson we were used to in terms of his ability to run. I mean, he killed the Rams on the ground yeah. with, with his legs, even though there were only really one or two called you know, zone reads or, or whatever, um, yep. you know, they're using with him. Is that something that, that you think is going to continue moving forward as he gets healthier?
1: I think it's going to continue out of desperation. That's when <laughs> lately over the last, not not in the beginning of his career, but over the last couple of years, you've seen Russell Wilson running more when he feels like he has to run more, right? Um, and, and you're right that this game was a bit of, an anomaly he ran for 92 yards the most he's run in four years yeah. okay and certainly more than, this season he has been very reluctant to keep um to say nothing of the absence of scrambles. so it was very interesting and and hearty because man it creates a lot of problems for the defense i think this is going to be a pretty run-heavy game for seattle i mean every game is a run-heavy game for seattle tell mm-hmm. me but <laughs> i think against Green creeping defense, given some of the weaknesses they have up front i, I, I do think um you will see not only a lot of Chris Carson, who didn't play on Sunday, and they were kind of preserving him a little bit, uh, as well as DJ Fluker, the guard, who's been excellent as a run blocker. He didn't play, I think, in part because of this Thursday night game. You're also probably going to see Russell Wilson
0: use flex a lot. You mentioned the running game. It, it seems like over the, the last few weeks, we saw signs of life from Rashad Penny. And Mike mm-hmm. Davis it, has done some things. He is, uh, uh, what is the phrase, a, a rolling bowling ball of butcher knives or whatever? <laughs> I mean, it, they have they suddenly have this stable of backs and an offensive line that we've discussed is not trash. Uh, they they took it to the Rams and they've been one of the best running teams in football right. this year. I don't think any of us saw that coming coming into the season. Did you?
1: Uh, you know, I knew there was a commitment to the run because of some of the language coming from Brian Schottheimer. Language, frankly, that I didn't love. Troubling like, language, one might know say. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, I, I, look, You, the Packers know what the Seahawks know, which is you got to run against the Rams, right? It's a weakness yeah. of theirs. It keeps their offense off the field. It's part of the script for beating that team, if there is one, which not really. But it, it, it's definitely helpful against some of these higher-powered offenses in the NFL. Um, But as far as the CS running game, the issue was never about the talent of the backs. Chris Carson, you know, he's been injured, but he's been good for a while. Mike Davis was good last season, too. He was very efficient. You know, the reason, which is partially why, by the way, a lot of fans um, were, I think, distraught that a first-round pick was spent on a running back, not because Rashad Penny isn't talented. You saw that on Sunday. He's Mm -hmm. tremendously talented. Um, But they didn't need a running back in the first round, right? Uh, And... I'm personally of the mind that it's not often worth ever drafting a running back in the first round, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of a philosophical bet. But the issue, again, it's not with the run game's good. They're talented. They've got guys. The problem is how it's deployed, which is so frequently on a first and second down. It's very anachronistic given what's happening in the NFL. And it's been the source of a lot of frustration, I think, for um, fans of the Seahawks.
0: I have to assume part of the reason is you look at this receiver depth chart and Doug Baldwin said outright he's probably not going to be 100% all season. Tyler Lockett yeah. has, has taken, I, I mean, to, to my eyes, the proverbial step forward. But after yeah. that, I mean, mean, are we sure these aren't Madden creative player names on the rest of this depth <laughs> chart? I mean, it's, it's, I don't even know if they could line up in a four-receiver set.
1: Yeah, and they also, well, they got Ed Dixon back, the tight end, who they signed at free agency, but they lost Will Disley, the rookie who really you know broke out at the beginning of the season. So you're right, there's not a lot of depth amongst the pass catchers. David Moore, the young wide receiver, um, really flashed earlier in the year. He, he hasn't been as productive recently, but um, it's it's not a exceptionally talented group. You know, I think you're, you're right to point out that Lockett's taking a big step forward this season. Wilson's really, really trusting him mm. as the guy. And they chose him over Paul Richardson, who got hurt again in Washington and that decision paid off. But you, my Russell Wilson is so effective in play action. Um, would really like to see that. used more often would like to see, uh, more of an intermediate passing game from this team would like the to see them throw the ball on early downs.
0: Yeah. Depending on where you look, I think ESPN's NFL matchup has a different number than pro football focus, but both of them have Russell Wilson as either the best or the second best quarterback on play action by passer rating. So, uh, mm-hmm. but, but was not in the top five. I don't <laughs> think in actual play action passes. So, uh, Very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I understand that frustration as, as someone who watches Green Bay uh, not use play action when Aaron Rodgers in his prime was the best play action passer efficiency wise ever. Uh, it, it is maddening. But uh, speaking of uh, things that are maddening, um, the, the defense in Seattle ha- has actually played well and especially yeah. in, in the pat and in, in the back end and I it is maddening for someone who consistently watches a team that has struggled to put defensive pieces back there and it seems like Seattle can just put whoever back there and they're good um
1: yeah it's such a testament to Pete Carroll who you know this is his back in uh, his background is coaching defensive right. backs and I think a lot when they lost Chancellor and Sherman and then Thomas you know it's always been well that's it you know because how often do you have drafts like he did and, and you coach up like that many All-Pro level defensive backs, Unbelievable. and he's continued to replenish at the position. And I really think it's a, it's a completely a credit to him and what he's been able to do this season with that position group is remarkable.
0: Yeah, and and it, it is a little bit strange to me. And I think John Schneider is an awesome personnel person, but it is strange that for the holes that they've had at offensive line and receiver. They haven't been able to consistently, through the draft or free agency, fill those voids in a major way. And yet, on defense, they're able to find Jeron Reeds, Frank Clarks, you know, the Griffin brothers, these players mm-hmm. that they're able to just plug and play. It's very strange that he seems to have these blind spots.
1: Yeah, it it is. The contrast in success record and drafting is <laughs> pretty remarkable. Um, you know, we'll just leave the tight end. He, he looked good early on promising. Um, But like a funny thing is, so Chris Carson was like a seventh round pick. Uh, Mm -hmm. Doug Baldwin was undrafted. So a lot of the guys who have been uh, found internally were not early round draft picks. And I mean, to say nothing of the offensive line, one of the most frustrating things, I think narratives, I guess uh, about the Seahawks was that, Oh, Tom Cable was never given any talent to work with and, you know, whatever. Seahawks spent more draft capital on the offensive line than any team in the NFL between 2012 and 17, okay? And Tom Cable played a large role in choosing a lot of those guys. So not only was he given personnel, he failed to develop them. So the fact that they're even mildly competent this year is more than enough for me.
0: That's a lot of defensive linemen. Uh...
1: (laughs) (laughs) His choice, man. His choice, Troy
0: Eggman, (laughs) if you're listening. So uh in you know this is one of those games that I think is going to because as you mentioned there's there's going to be an emphasis on running I think Green Bay when you look at what Seattle has done mm. on the ground the last 2 weeks I mean, Melvin Gordon goes for a buck 60 Todd Gurley goes for 120 on just 15 carries last week uh the run defense mm-hmm. is leakier than we're used to when we watch Seattle um is is that something I mean can can Green Bay go into Seattle and win if they give Aaron Jones 15, 20 carries?
1: I think so. Um, the run defense has been really inconsistent mm. in Seattle. You know what I mean? It's not like they've been, um, I guess, universally terrible. Certainly the past defense has been better. But um, they've been up and down. I don't think, you know, the thing about Curly, it's like you're you're also defending that offensive line and the offensive scheme is, like, impossible, right? Um, so, i I don't know yeah, what Aaron Jones does is so different. Um so I'll be curious to see how many resources they allocate towards stopping him, you know, versus Rogers. I think it, it's funny to me how similar these teams are in yeah. some ways. Um, it, it's weird actually, because I think they're both kind of similarly like good, not great. Uh, I think both fan bases have a lot of frustration with the play calling. That's probably quite similar in the absence of creativity, you might say. Um, the you concern might. that <laughs> generational quarterbacks are being wasted, <laughs> is, which is not to say Russell Wilson's is good as Aaron Rodgers, but you know, they, it, 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 there's a lot of frustration there as well. Um, they're just really evenly matched, and I wouldn't be surprised if they come in with pretty similar game plans.
0: Yeah. But if I was just looking at the the DVOA numbers earlier and the numbers, the similarities in numbers are actually pretty much more startlingly close than I thought they would be, certainly uh, when I when I looked at this schedule coming into the season. So if if you're going to build a game plan for how Seattle is going to beat Green Bay, what does that game plan look like?
1: Run the ball. And by the way, I just pulled up the TV as we're talking and it is shocking. They're good in the same ways and bad in the same ways. Right. Way
0: too. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. Uh so yeah, run the ball, keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. <laughs> um get out ahead early, which I think is actually something they've been really good at lately mm-hmm. and They did uh, against the Rams. Yeah, which has been a usual uh, yeah, early in the season they were terribly. I don't think they went at some kind of streak where they didn't score on their opening drives, right? Um but uh, over the past few weeks or so they've come out really high, and I think if they do that against Green Bay and you know, force them to play from behind to where Mike McCarthy gets impatient about using Aaron Jones. I think that's how they're going to win this game.
0: It is not hard to make Mike McCarthy impatient about using Aaron Jones. <laughs> that is for sure. So if you're going to build a, yeah, yeah uh, you might see it on Thursday. Uh, if you're going to build a game plan for Green Bay to go in and and spring what you know an upset. Maybe, I guess. I mean, these are evenly matched teams, but a, a win yeah. on the road in the NFL in most cases is an upset. So build me the the model for Green Bay.
1: Sure. I think Mike Daniels can be a huge factor
0: hmm. in this
1: game. You know, just being able to generate pressure up the middle against this team is going to be tremendous, as you saw uh, Aaron Donald <laughs> successfully mm-hmm. do, as he always does. And no one else from the NFL is Aaron Donald. But I think, yeah, just, just making Russell Wilson uncomfortable early on, in the game, right, when um, he doesn't want to go off script as much and he's a little a lot more reluctant about sort of running, throwing on the run. I think that would cause a lot of problems, and if you can get this offense to fall behind, um, I do think Green Bay can put this one away. Uh,
0: interestingly, a very similar game plan, uh, a roadmap for both <laughs> teams. It's going to be about who executes better. So that, that makes for an interesting game. It makes for a fun game. Um, It makes for a nerve-wracking game for both fan bases, as these games usually are. Uh, The the 2014, Mm -hmm. I guess it was the 2015 NFC Championship game, Uh, I said this yesterday, took years off my life, and uh, (laughs) I I, I don't know. Every now and
1: then I go back and watch the fourth quarter when I just need like a pick me up. I
0: mean, I was really enjoying this conversation until just right this (laughs) minute, and, and now I feel very attacked.
1: <laughs> really, the the John Ryan pass to who uh, uh, was a tight end Luke Wilson, I think that's the really the best part. Because the onside kick, I don't really enjoy because I feel so bad for him. I, what's the guy? I can not even remember his name. I feel terrible.
0: Brandon Bostic is the his guy name. <laughs> Packer fans uh, are yeah, screaming at their devices right now.
1: <laughs> Sorry, guys.
0: Well, uh, up until that point, I really enjoyed you coming on the podcast. I appreciate that. Uh, let, let my listeners know where they can find more of the work that you do, uh, if they don't already follow you on Twitter, et cetera.
1: Thanks. Yeah. I'm on Twitter. The Times. um, you can subscribe to my podcast. Uh, it's called the Beat and Kimes show and covers the whole NFL. So, you know, we get two factors every now and then.
0: If they were better, you'd talk about them more. I'm sure. Um, unfortunately <laughs> that has not been the case it this up. season. Although,
1: I mean, it can't be the chiefs and the Rams every week. We're, we're this week. If you're listening to this, I think we're going to hit the Titans, the Colts, and, some fun teams the Bears
0: I think you even dedicated a show recently just to teams you hadn't discussed uh to that point in the season very bad often. teams exactly yes
1: the trash teams. yes unfortunately
0: Green Bay falls right in the middle they're not trash and they're not good <laughs> so why would you ever talk about them I think that that is fair uh Mina I uh, I appreciate <laughs> you joining the show thanks for having me all right I want to thank Mina again for joining the show that was really fun until she started talking about the 2014, I guess it was 2015, NFC Championship game. Uh, I, you know, we'll, we can still be cool. Uh, <laughs> she knew what she was doing, and uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, I still think the Packers win tonight. That is my feeling. I, I have I have just an inclination about this. And uh, I I think this matchup is great for Green Bay. I think they're gonna be able to get after Russell Wilson, create pressure. And even if Seattle is gonna run the ball successfully, that's fine. I don't think they're gonna be able to throw it successfully enough, and I think Green Bay is gonna be able to create some plays in this game, potentially get out to an early lead and beat Seattle. The number I said was 27-24. I like that number, and I'm gonna stick with it today. We'll be back tomorrow to discuss the game and then back on Monday with our analysis of the weekend, pushing forward to the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota next Sunday. So enjoy this Sunday off. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Remember, you can always follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Leave us a review on iTunes. Let other people know why you like Locked On Packers, why you're listening why you are a part of this wonderful community on the Locked On Podcast Network. And anytime you want to hit up the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920-341-3775 to let me know how you're staying Locked On Packers.